Hello, funky listeners, and welcome to another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle. And this is your host, Peter. And you are, can you guess it, listeners? The listeners. Uh, what are we talking about today, Kyle? So we 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 did a, we haven't done an album review in a while, but then we just did one last episode, and now we have another one. Yeah, usually that happens, I've noticed on our show. Like, we won't do album reviews for, like, most of the year, and then we pile them all in once we discover that there was a bunch of new music that we missed. Yeah. This one's fairly timely, not as timely as um, the last review we did of The Avalanche's third album, but we are going to review the debut album of a band called The Black Pumas that I discovered literally a week ago. (laughs) I was a little late to the party because the album was actually released back in June of 2019, and then they released a deluxe version August 28th of this year, which is basically just the same album, but with some extra tracks and some covers that they did. Mm -hmm. We're mostly going to stick to the original album, since the deluxe version has like 20 songs on it or something. How did you discover them again? Those like through your dad or something? Yeah, he sometimes he listens to um, this uh, radio station called XRT. It's like a local Midwest radio station that he can like stream. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess they were featuring new artists or something. And they played uh, a single by the Black Pumas. And he was like, hey, have you heard of them? They're really good. And I'm like, no. So I looked them up on Spotify and was like, holy crap, they're really good. Like, probably one of the best albums I've heard in all year good. So I was like, hey, we mm-hmm. should talk about it. And now we are. And now we are. Black Pumas are a duo made up of singer-songwriter Eric Burton and guitarist-producer Adrian Caseda. Probably pronouncing that wrong. The cool thing about this particular album, before we get into it, is mm-hmm. uh, apparently in this last year's Grammy Awards, uh, it was nominated for... They they were nominated for Best New Artist, and unfortunately they lost out to Billie Eilish. Hmm. Um, but for next year's Grammy Awards, whenever the hell that's going to be, it says that they are nominated for Record of the Year, American Roots Performance, I don't know what that means, as well as Album of the Year. I, I still don't 100% get the difference between Record of the Year and Album of the Year. I wonder if album has a more strict definition. Maybe. I think record... Because record. record could possibly even include singles, maybe. Yeah, I bet you're right. Like, it could be an LP. It could be a single. Yeah, it's a good point. So That's just a guess, though. I have no idea. But, yeah. It, so, I mean, I feel like this album is still... You know, we're still waiting to hear what happens with that next Grammys show. So, you know, they could end up winning some of this so like we're still in the in the period of time where they could be winning more awards for this album so i feel like it's still relevant in that sense yeah very true and i, I guess i should clarify it i didn't write it down but the album of the year nomination is for the deluxe version specifically. Okay. yeah i was gonna say i think despite the fact that the album technically came out last year it does seem like they got a lot more notoriety this year probably partially because of getting nominated but i think this mm. deluxe album while obviously including some songs that the original didn't have, was kind of the more publicized version, I would say, that Mm -hmm. got more uh, play and probably sales. So the history behind this duo, so I guess in 2017, singer-songwriter Eric Burton uh, made his way from California to Texas. Uh, He was originally born in the San Fernando Valley, 
and he grew up singing in church, and he got really heavily involved in musical theater, so he kind of has that background. He basically, to make some side money, uh, started busking at the Santa Monica Pier. Busking is basically, you know, when you perform and people throw dollars at you. Maybe that's what and we so, should be doing. We should be busking <laughs> this podcast. Exactly. We just, we'll do it live. We just like go to like some beach somewhere. And... So yeah, he started doing that uh, in Santa Monica and was able to develop his um, sort of performative skills. After he left California, he traveled through the Western states before kind of deciding to settle down in Austin, Texas, where he ended up continuing his busking career. So while all of that was happening in his life, um, the other half of the duo, Adrian Cassetta, who already at that point was an award-winning guitarist and producer, was looking to collaborate with uh, some new person. And so through a mutual friend, um, he ended up connecting with Burton, and he felt that Burton's vocal styling was a match for this sort of funk and R&B flavored uh, instrumentals that Caseta had been working on at the time. Mm. So they ended up joining forces in 2018 uh, and became to become what is now known as the Black Pumas. So that's kind of the background, I guess, for the band. I guess now we can get into talking about the actual album itself. There's there's only 10 songs on the non-deluxe version of the album, so we figure we'll just kind of touch on all of them. Right. Before we get into the individual songs themselves, there was like an overview I wanted to discuss that I didn't even know about. Uh, when I was reading some of the other reviews for this album... I stumbled upon uh, the review from Pitchfork, which is a prominent uh, music blog, and they said in their review, quote, Inspired by Riz's crate-digging productions for the Wu-Tang Clan extended universe, Caseta relies on scratchy drum loops, hits of strings, funky electronic pianos, and fuzz guitar. Actual samples may be rare, but the fact that the guitarist cobbled together all of this on his own is admirable particularly when he marshals all of his skill on one cut. So basically, there is some sort of drum breaks and samples in these songs, but they're used sparingly. And I guess in the uses that they are, in the ways that they are used, is uh, sort of as like the underpinnings of some of the songs. Rather than being like a prominent piece of the song. Exactly. Exactly. It certainly wasn't noticeable to me. Because like I, I wouldn't have guessed there was any of that. But I, I guess the way that you... Uh, if, if they do it the way that he did, it sounds like it's more of just adding more instrumentation in there in a natural way rather than kind of building on top, using a sample to build on top of something that you've produced yourself yeah. um, in a more artistic way, I guess. Exactly. So um, I guess we'll just go chronologically uh, with how the songs uh, appear on the album. The first song on the album is also, I think, the first song that they released as like a single. Hmm. It's called Black Moon Rising. This is probably my second favorite song off the album, I would say. Uh, it reminds me a lot of like old Black Keys, like hmm. their first couple albums, as well as a little bit of the namesake, I guess, of the song, uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival's Bad Moon Rising instead hmm. of Black Moon Rising. What did you think of it, Peter? I liked it. I mean, I, I felt it was a really strong introduction for the album, certainly. Mm -hmm. It's one that has stayed in my head more than probably any other song on this album. Okay. Okay. 
So, I, and you know, I, I don't want to get too far into this yet, but basically, uh, something I've I and you will probably disagree with me on this, but I felt like a lot of the songs on this album sound very similar to each other. Yeah, yeah. So they definitely have a consistent style down, and I feel like some of the some of the songs in the first half. Uh, this is, I think, similar to what you had told me recently. Was I, I feel like some of the ones in the first half kind of stand out more as individuals. Whereas they kind of blend together a little bit more later on. Yeah. But, uh, you know, not getting too far down that rabbit hole, I guess, yet. Um, I feel like this first song stands out pretty well. At least that's my personal opinion. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree. And I, I did kind of comment uh, to you about that. I was like, the album is really good and there's no songs that I dislike. But I feel like it does sort of lose a little bit of steam as you go down. Mm. Uh, whereas the first handful of songs stand out the most. It's probably no coincidence that the first three or four songs on the album are also ones that they have more heavily promoted, mm. uh, whether it be they have little music videos for them or they've released them as singles. Um, I kind of like... So they probably kind of front-loaded their album. Yeah, I was about to say, I kind of like when they spread it out a little bit so that, you know, the the popular or more commonly favorited songs, if you will, um, are kind of spread out throughout the album rather than all being kind of front-loaded which you, i you know you do see that i wouldn't say all the time but it certainly does happen periodically yeah um true, true. so so yeah let's play um a little clip of black moon rising uh definitely like you said a really good strong opener for the album so second song on the album colors is probably my favorite song off the album and it's definitely one of the, the one that they push the hardest oh, okay yeah actually i i personally don't have the background of what songs they were pushing out for this I, album I, re- I guess i'll defer to you on all of that because i don't yeah I no the idea. only reason i do is because i i was kind of shuffling through and searching some of these up on youtube and i mm. could see when they were published or if they if they did or didn't have like a music video paired with it but the music video for this is really good. It, it showcases like different, um, I guess, African American families kind of just going about daily life. But mm-hmm. the cinematography for it is pretty awesome. Good song. I personally don't have any specific notes about it other than it's good. Um, I, I guess I should apologize to you and to the listeners. I, I don't feel like I have as many detailed opinions or thoughts about these songs as I did with the last review for whatever reason. But uh, yeah, no, it's definitely good stuff. Like how you were saying with Black Moon Rising, where that song was the one that kind of most stuck in your head, this was the one that mm-hmm. most stuck in my head after okay. listening to the album. But yeah, it's really good. Uh, he apparently likes lots of colors. So, <laughs> moving along, uh, the third song on the album is called Know You Better. Like you said, Peter, I, some of these songs, I don't have a ton to say. I just feel like, okay, they're good. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of those. It was good. I, I do think it was a little bit more contemporary sounding than some of their other stuff as far as like, because they definitely lean heavy 
in like 60s and 70s soul music mm. and psychedelic music whereas so this one stood out a little bit only in so much as it sounds like much more contemporary yeah like along the lines of like almost like 90s r&b oh okay interesting yeah i mean i because you get you know contemporary soul singers you know at least a handful of them who do emulate that kind of 60s sound really well yeah. Um, but I feel like some of the, even some of their work can sound a little bit more contemporary, which isn't a bad thing. But the, it, there is a slight difference, I would say, between that and like hardcore, like the old stuff, you know. And I, oh, yeah, yeah I, I get what you're saying with this one sounding a little bit more contemporary, but that's certainly not a bad thing. Yeah, no, no. So yeah, let's play a little clip of uh, Know You Better. I don't know if it's the slower tempo of it that makes me think it's more contemporary. I was actually, um, um, while we were listening to that clip, listeners, something I was thinking about is that with with some of the, um, I don't, I think Leon Bridges does this, but I can't remember on the top of my head. Uh, Daptone Records, I know they did some of this where they would use like actual old instruments and equipment and stuff to get that authentic sound from oh, that era. I and yeah. I feel like this is emulating that sound but not necessarily emulating the the analog equipment necessarily like it has it has more polish to it so maybe but that's kind of true of all of their songs at least as far as i could tell so i i wonder if maybe that's the difference yeah that's a very good question i mean it does sound like uh basically sort of produced this fairly like at least the actual production aspect of it pretty much solo and it could be that they're using that older equipment i it just overall feels, as a listener, it feels more clean to me, I guess, than similar contemporary artists that I've heard. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. The fourth song in the album is called Fire. Uh, this one's probably my third favorite song, I would I would say. Would you say this song is fire, Kyle? Oh, it's fire. It's, mi- it's fire like a mixtape. Um, <laughs> I really liked the organs on this one, uh, mm. a little bit more gospel-y sounding kind of in the back. And it, it kind of reminded me of Otis. I mean, not. That, I mean, a lot of the songs in this kind of remind me of Otis Redding, mm. but it kind of had more of an Otis Redding sound to me. I don't know. What did, what did you think about it? I think Otis Redding was definitely one of the names that was kind of floating around in my head while listening to this album. For this song specifically, that beat of kind of like the duh, 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 um reminded mm-hmm. me of the song Hard Times by Baby Huey. It has, uh, the tempo is slightly different on that song. Um, I think John Legend and the roots did a cover of it within the last 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. So this song kind of had a similar sound to that. And it was interesting. Yeah, no, I'm listening to the clip of, uh, hard times. And I, I definitely see what you're talking about. Uh, did you want to play a little clip to kind of like a B them? Uh, sure. Why not? Wait, did we already listen to a clip? I don't think we did. Oh, um, well let's, let's do both. <laughs> all right. So let's, well, let's, we'll play them back to back. First will be fire. And then second will be, Hard Times by Baby Huey for comparison.
I definitely see what you're saying. We're uh, definitely pulled from that kind of same, I don't know, hard tempo. I don't, yeah, so I don't I don't know whether that's a direct like reference to that song or if it's just something that I picked out by coincidence. I, I have no idea. So the fifth song on the album is called October or Oct 33. It always confuses me because then my brain's like, wait a second, that's not a date. I haven't yet listened to the lyrics closely enough to figure out why it's called that. I know he mentions it, but I don't I don't remember what the context was. I think it's like, it's kind of like a lost love song where he's kind of singing about like, you told me to meet you on October 33 mm. and it's not a date. That's actually what I was so, wondering if it was something along those lines. That's funny. He basically, it's like an extra creatively shitty way to ghost somebody. I don't know. Mm. I like this song. It's really good. It's more R&B than soul. Um, mm. And some of the other songs... Uh, the guitar work in this is really good. There's like a like a sort of guitar solo in here by Caseta, obviously. He does that through some of the songs. He does like a guitar breakdown, which I really like. Hmm. I think more contemporary contemporary music needs to bring back guitar solos. I know, right? Like, I feel like that's not really a thing anymore. I did want to point out really quick, too, the song references, or he does like a name drop, of the Otis Redding song, Fa 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 Sad Song. I actually didn't catch that. Uh, so, he, yeah, he kind of name drops Otis Redding a little bit, which, I mean, he pretty much sounds like him, so I can see why. <laughs> I've got your number lonely, October 33. I'm knocking at your door, baby, like fast, fast, fast. If you hear the band play and listen to my heart sing. I think the listener should take a shot every time we say a song is good in this episode. <laughs> I know. I mean, Speaking of good songs, the next one is called Stay Gold. The one note that I wrote is it has more of a gospel sound than some of the other songs. Hmm. And similar to how you thought Fire kind of sounded like, sounded like Hard Times by Baby Huey, this song gave me major Bill Withers vibes, hmm. uh, especially his song Grandma's Hands. I don't know if you recall that song. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I'm listening to it in the background while you say that. I can totally get that connection. I think his vocal style in the song matches that pretty well. Similar to how we AB'd uh, Fire and Hard Times, do you want to AB um, Stay Gold and Grandma's Hands? Yeah, that sounds good. So I took it all in. Here's a transition. Grandma is an old woman, but the next song is called Old Man. Oh. The only thing I have written down for this is I liked the drum beat. It sounds mm. a little bit more hip hop than some of the other songs. Not 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 the song itself, but the drum beat. So underpinning it. Mm. Okay. Yeah, it's like do 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 do. Kind of kind of I don't know. Sounded more hip hop to me. 
so I, 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 as I alluded to earlier, that I, I don't have a lot of notes written. I mean, overall, but also especially for like this latter half of the album. Um, but it's not by lack of liking the songs. I think maybe perhaps one reason why I liked some of the songs in the first half more. Mm-hmm. I think because a lot of the songs sound so similar. By the time I get to you know like track seven, it's like okay, I've kind yeah. of heard what they're capable yeah, of. Yeah, it's like okay, I get the gist. Yeah, and yeah. I I I think if there was more variance from song to song, I think it would make some of them more memorable. And again, mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that to imply that any of these are bad by any means, but I I think there is room for more variance or contrast, if you will, from song to song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is a little bit of that here and there, but I feel like there's enough. I mean, you literally, I mean, you could probably say six, seven, eight songs in this album sound very similar to each other. No, I agree. Um, I almost wonder if that's part of the reason why they did like a deluxe version, because the second disc on the deluxe version has a couple of songs on there that uh, I think are original songs. And then there's a handful of covers. Mm. And there is actually a couple songs on that one that aren't on the regular album that I really like and sound a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Maybe they felt the same way and were like, hey, let's add some more shit to this. <laughs> to switch it up a little bit. Yeah, well, and they had they had that extra year or so to kind of develop more music as well. So True, true. Yeah, I almost felt I feel like this first album was like a proof of concept for like mm. the sound they're going for. Yeah. And there's a lot of good songs on this album. But you're right. I think they're all kind of loaded towards the front of the album, and then as they go, as you go down, they all have the same sound, like a similar sound signature. Mm-hmm. So yeah, as we go down the list here, like there's some there's different aspects that are going to stand out to me about different songs. But mm-hmm. it, it just like yeah, it's good. <laughs> so old man, good. The listeners, <laughs> pretty much. Um, and he, even on that note, and like I know he said we weren't going to get into the deluxe version of this album. Mm. but like for example the first track on that second half i guess of the deluxe album fast car mm-hmm. like i feel like that one has a different enough sound well the reason for that is because that's his cover of tracy chapman but even like like musically i feel like it it's just, it's like the style is different from a lot of the stuff on this normal i guess version. oh yeah for sure for sure because I, I almost feel like that song was even more like touching the edges of country almost. And so like, I feel like they could oh, definitely yeah. add more stylistic variants, I guess, throughout their songs. So they definitely have the capability to do it. It's just they, I guess they didn't feel like it was necessary. And, you know, it, 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 is it necessary? Maybe not. Maybe I'm just being too picky. Well, I mean, even even outside of the covers that they did uh, on the second, I know we said we weren't going to talk about this, but we kind of are, whatever. Uh, on the second disc of their deluxe album, they have a song called Politicians in My Eyes. Mm which I believe is an original song. I don't think that's a cover. Let me double check. It sounds very different from anything off the first. Oh, my God, I'm stupid. Okay. Politicians in My Eyes is a cover by the band Death. Oh. Okay, so it does look like pretty much all the songs off disc two are covers, but they all sound really good. Covers and live versions of a couple there. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Uh, Getting back to the... um, original set list or song list yeah um the eighth song in the album is called confines this one more so than pretty much any other song i felt was a little forgettable to be honest yeah i would i would categorize it as such 
I mean, it's good, but it's like there's nothing in this song that doesn't that stands out that you can't get on any of the other songs in different degrees. Kind of, kind of similar to what we were um, discussing a couple minutes ago. Of like, there's no bad songs on this. It's just they kind of blend together after a while. Uh, let's play a little clip of it though for the listeners, so they can decide for themselves. Uh, this one does have another good guitar guitar riff in it, though, so that's cool. Mm. So that was Confines. Um, the ninth song in the album is called Touch the Sky. This one definitely has very Jimi Hendrix vibes to it, and I, I think that's purposeful because mm. Jimi has a lyric in one of his songs called Kiss Me or Touch Me While I Kiss the Sky or Kiss Me While I Touch the Sky. I don't know, something. So I don't know if that was intentional or not but it this one definitely sounded because Jimi hendrix for all intents and purposes basically like one of the godfathers of psychedelic rock right so i felt like they leaned heavier into that sort of psychedelic sound on this particular song it's funny because i when i listen to this i hear some elements of like blues in here as well oh yeah which you could probably say that for a number of the songs on here but it sticks out to me more personally in this one i think let me touch the sky I do like how on this album it kind of, or on this album, on this song, it kind of transitions from like mellow to like holy shit psychedelic back to Mm. mellow. I kind of like that. So that does at least give it an edge. That's true. So the final song on the album, the 10th song, is called Sweet Conversations. Now, in looking up some of the other reviews for this album, uh, one of the reviewers mentioned that this particular song was one that Burton actually recorded himself at his house oh. and then sent to uh, Caseta. So it wasn't like, you know, in a recording studio. So I don't know if that's going to make makes it sound va- drastically different. I don't know if he like recorded it on his iPhone. <laughs> Who knows? Hmm. I, I So I did write down that this one does sound different, but not from a technical recording perspective it just musically has a different style to it um Mm -hmm. but this is definitely one of my favorite songs on the album perhaps for that reason but also i just like it in itself as well because it stands out more than the others yeah Mm -hmm. i also wrote down that the intro or i guess the kind of ongoing guitar in this song reminds me a little bit um of the intro to scarborough fair by simon and garfunkel not a complete one-to-one but it's somewhat similar oh yeah Sadly, I'm not as familiar with Simon and Garfunkel as I probably should be, but now listening to the clip that you linked, it definitely does. Um, well, well, we'll let the listeners go find that one on their own, perhaps, but um, let's play a clip of Sweet Conversations, and then we'll get back to our Sweet Conversation. Keep your mind on me, My heart's on the pavement, but 
feel like it's a good ending to this album, I guess, to kind of end it on a more mellow note. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I definitely hear that now that you pointed that out. The Scarborough Fair thing. Mm. That kind of like acoustic, twinkly picking sound. Yeah. It's almost like the antithesis to Black Moon Rising, where Black Moon Rising is very crunchy, yeah. very electric. This is very mellow. So, I, I don't know if that was purposeful or not, but yeah, it's 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 interesting that they kind of ended on the opposite that they started on, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it was good. Uh, the whole album, like I said, it was really good. There wasn't any song that I disliked. I played through the entire album multiple times looking ahead i i feel like i want i want to see what they do next because i feel like there's definitely that potential there for them to do more different things rather than that just that one soul sound which they've completely nailed by the way like we shouldn't Mm -hmm. overlook that but i can tell that they can do more than that and i want to see where they go with that yeah i agree i agree it's like this was like the proof of concept, like, yeah, we can do this. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, then now they got to take their different expertise. There's, you know, singing and, and guitar and kind of create something from it that's not just a pure homage to 60s and 70s soul. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, though, Leon Bridges kind of did the same thing. His first album was very soul focused. Yeah. And his second album was a little bit more experimental and it didn't sound bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so who knows? Maybe they'll kind of do go the same direction. I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. But for a debut album from basically two people, this is still a really impressive uh, feat. Well, especially knowing the background too. I mean, they seem very independent, and like you said, it's two guys basically doing it themselves, or that one guy doing it himself, more or less. And so, I mean, as a as a debut album, it's very strong. I I will say for sure, and obviously. Mm-hmm those nominating for major awards feel the same way. So that's saying something. Yeah. So we will be watching them eagerly. Uh, honestly, I do hope that they, uh, they win, you know, best album of the year. Cause like I said, even with the fact that this was basically a proof of concept for us, this sound they were trying to achieve still one of the best albums I've heard in 2020. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, no, definitely. I don't, I don't know what else. I don't know what else is nominated this year. I'm sure. Not as much music came out as they as a different artist had intended to. So, so yeah, um, I guess that's my final thoughts on the album. It's really good. I liked it. Uh, Take a shot, listeners. <laughs> I liked it. It's good. I was gonna say if they if they take a shot every time we say something is good, they're gonna be dead by the time we're done. <laughs> dead like ten minutes into this review. Uh, so, if you listeners want to have sweet conversations and stay gold and know us better because we're fire <laughs> you can find us on uh fuck uh facebook.com slash get your funk <laughs> you could talk to us there but you probably won't so in that case you can go to get which is where we have all of our episodes uh we are on spotify as well so maybe you're listening to us there maybe you're listening to us on itunes so we're still figuring out the Google Play issue because they stopped doing podcasts. I've been basically trying to recertify it on Google Podcasts, which is apparently the replacement. That has not happened yet, but it's it's in progress. So Stupid Google. Tune in next time for our 300th episode, listeners. We have big plans. Spoiler alert, we don't have big plans. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm just gonna get a bunch of those like poppers and like fire them off while we're while we're recording. <laughs> I feel like this is my birthday, like I'm, I've or Christmas. Like I've gotten to a point where like I, I I don't feel the need to have like a big celebration or do much. It's just like I'll I'll enjoy this day for what it is. But yeah, I don't know if that's a symptom of 2020, but I I kind of feel the same. It's like yay, it's yeah. our 300th episode, and that's awesome, but. There's really no point in making a special episode out of it. We've done special episodes before on like 100, 200, whatever. Um, well, and we, we've we've kind of run the gamut too with like, oh, let's talk about our old show or let's do yeah, a retrospective exactly. on this. Like we've kind of done all that by now. So like we're kind of out yeah. of special things to do. I'm sure we'll think of something maybe or we'll just do a regular episode. So yeah, anyways, uh, you can at least tune in for our 300th episode um, coming soon. Uh, I guess it'll be our first. I if I get, I assuming I get this one out in the next week or so. Uh, that will be the first episode of 2021. Okay. Uh, we love you. Bye. Bye.